Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another episode of My Thoughts on Issues. I'm your host, Jason, with The Detsillian Mind. Uh, I'd like to apologize for not uh, posting too many podcasts um, this past week. Unfortunately, my Facebook account is uh, on a temporary ban, um, and my Twitter account has been permanently suspended. Um, I guess it's okay for uh, right-wing conservatives to uh, call into question, you know, the severity of COVID or any other issue that uh, affects most Americans or people in general. But when you turn around and uh, you imply that you hope that uh, the standard that they push onto us is also returned onto them, that's where they draw the line for these uh, social media platforms. Um, And on a side note, uh, you know, I don't want to sit there and hear uh, conservatives complain about how cancel culture is is, uh, pushing them off social media. Um, especially since, as I mentioned, these right, these right-wing drifters here, they're, uh, um, they're able to, to grift us like crazy and, and, uh, Twitter and Facebook doesn't say anything about it. But when someone on the, on the left turns around and criticizes them for it, oh, that's when it's time to draw the line and give them a, either a permanent ban or a temporary ban. So... You know, this whole idea of cancel culture uh, that conservatives are screaming about happening to them by the left and these leftist media uh, outlets, that's bullshit. So that's why I haven't been posting very much uh, and then posting them onto Facebook or Twitter is because of these bans that have been going on. The one that I have on Facebook is, I think, at least a week. Should be done here tonight or into tomorrow. Uh, the Twitter one that's been held up in, uh, um, rebuttals that I've been doing, trying to counteract it, but the the last one that I got, uh, earlier this week basically said, hey, you know, we've reviewed it, we've got taken it as far as we can, and we're just gonna permanently ban you, so... Now I gotta look at getting a new Twitter handle or just use another social media platform to uh, um, post these videos too. Or even see if I can't figure out a way to put them onto YouTube as well. I'm not sure how I can do that. Um, I'll have to look into that as well. Um, but as of right now, once uh, um, this band breaks and I'm able to start posting again on Facebook, I'll start uploading these on onto my uh, Facebook page so that people can listen to it. Otherwise, I'm at the whim of the podcast machine anchor that they will be able to, you know, at least post my podcast for somebody to randomly pick up here and there. So here's hoping. Um, but anyway, um, this... Uh, Politically themed uh, episode is about the breakdown or the demographics of the Senate. Now, I had originally wanted to do this for for Congress in general uh, a few months ago. It was back in uh, September or something like that, or maybe even October. Um, But being so close to the election, I figured, you know what, let's just wait until the 
election is over and we get a new Congress in in January and then I'll sit down and go through the uh, the breakdown for both the House and the Senate with all the new uh, um, congressmen and women being added into the mix. I want to do this for, for, for one main reason. One of them is to just highlight, you know, um, the more liberal and progressive narrative like, hey, you know, we're seeing so much diversity in, in Congress now. That's a good thing. Um, and then to also kind of point towards and, and kind of criticize, I guess, in a way, the uh, the opposite narrative coming from the, the conservatives. Uh, mainly the narrative, narrative that is, we want to take our country back. And so this is kind of geared towards the whole narrative they hear from the right saying that uh, we need to take this country back and that uh, we're no longer being represented and there's this whole I, I, I guess in a way this is kind of a response to the whole persecution grudge or the persecution complex that uh, conservatives have as of lately regarding how they feel that they are being ignored in the political spotlight and so I kind of wanted to just do a quick Senate breakdown, and then I'm, I've got the, the House breakdown in the works that I'm working on right now as well. But I figured to get done with the Senate one because it's quicker. There's only 100 members as opposed to 430-some, 435. So for me, it just made more sense to do the uh, the Senate one first because it's easier and quicker, and then jump into the, the, the monstrosity that is the 435-member House. Um... So just to kind of start off with kind of um, a note for some of the the national demographics, and this is from you know some of the preliminary work that we're seeing coming out from the 2020 uh, census. Um, in terms of the uh, the racial or ethnic background of the United States demographics as a whole, they're showing about 76% white, 13% black. Hispanic comes out to 18.5%, Asian about 6%, and quote-unquote everybody else about 4.5%. And the other would include, you know, Native American, Indian, Arab, um, Pacific Islander I think is included in there as well. Um, Basically, all the smaller demographics that make up about 1% or less of the overall U.S. population. Uh, so that's kind of the breakdown that I'm seeing. In terms of religion, I also wanted to uh, break that down. 65% identifies as Christian. And if you break it down even further, 21% of the United States population identifies as Catholic. Um, the next big block of the American population is unaffiliated or none. And that's at 28%. So... Just over one in every four is unaffiliated or or none for the uh, religious uh, background. Whether that means agnostic in the case of believing in a god, just not one that's prescribed by any particular religion, or atheist believing that or acknowledging that there is no god. Those are kind of, get kind of clumped together to form 28%. Other is uh, 7%, so other would mean, you know, Buddhists, Muslims, Hindus, 
uh, Sikhs, I'm sorry, Sikhs, um, Jews, any kind of like folk religion, um, basically anything, anything else, you know, that anyone could put down for their religious beliefs and any kind of a census or official status, you know, only 7%. And then also when it comes to the uh, U.S. population, about 50.5% of the U.S. population is women. So that's kind of the, the national demographics, just for a reference for when we look at the demographics of the U.S. Senate. So we'll start with uh, the broadest first, and that's uh, when it comes to women. Um, there are 24 women in the Senate. That, that's 24% of the Senate. Um, so of the 24 women that's in the Senate, 16 or 67% are, are in the Democratic Party. And 33% or 8 are Republican. Now, the nice thing is, is because the, 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 the Senate is so perfectly split 50 and 50, it makes it really good to compare between the two. And so, with 16 Democratic women in, in the Senate, that's 32% of Dems in the Senate are women, as opposed to only 16% of Republicans being women. So you can kind of see how it's, you know, uh, two to one, if you will. Um, moving on to Hispanic Americans. There are six Hispanic Americans that are in the Senate. Obviously 6%, given that there's 100 senators. Of the six, four are Democrats and two are Republicans. Once again, two to one, 67 to 33%. And if you look at just the Democrats, um, that means that 8% of Senate Democrats are Hispanic, whereas only two, or I'm sorry, whereas the two uh, Republicans, that makes up 4% of Senate Republicans. Um, When it comes to black or African-Americans, three senators are black. Two of them are Democrats, one Republican. Once again, the two-to-one ratio, 67 to 33% respectively. And if you look at just by the political party, um, 4% of Senate Democrats are black and then only 2% for Republicans. Um, So there's, you can see how it gets less and less diverse as I kind of go through the list here. Uh, Next up is uh, Asian Americans, there's only two. So 2% of the Senate is made up of uh, Americans with Asian uh, ancestry. Both of them are in the Democratic Party, and that only means 4% of Senate Democrats are of Asian American origin. Uh, moving on to religion, I'll get to this, uh, I'll, I'll make my way to the most. Um, the, the largest uh, uh, demographic when it comes to religion, but uh, I want to look at some of the other ones first. Uh, when it comes to, ju- to ju- Judaism, nine per- nine, there's nine uh, senators, 9% of uh, Senate is Jewish. Um, that means 18% of Democrats, Senate Democrats are, are Jewish. Um, other religions, there's only five. 
5%. If you look at the, the Senate as a whole. Now, all five of these are from the Democratic Party. One of them is Buddhist. Three of them unknown. So they basically declined to answer. And one of them is either unaffiliated or none. If I, if, if I recall, the, the one is actually atheist, but I can't remember um, offhand. I just remember that uh, there's a little article about her and how she's uh, considered to be like the first nun or unaffiliated to be open about it. Um, and so basically what we're seeing is with those five who are considered other and when, can't, when it comes to religious beliefs, obviously that's 5% of the Senate. That's, uh, I'd say about uh, 10%. Yeah, that's 10% of Senate Democrats. So you can see there's quite a bit of um, diversity on the Democratic side here when it comes to some of these other uh, demographics that we're seeing pop up. Now for the main squeeze of it. Uh, the Christian religion, there are 86 senators who identify as Christian. So that means 80% of this 86% of the Senate identifies as being Christian. Now, of that, 36 are Democrats and 50 are Republicans. And so if we look at the uh, divide amongst Christians, that means 42% of Christians in the Senate are Democrats. 58 are Republicans. Now, if you look at just the uh, the party itself, 70, 72% of Senate Democrats identify as Christian. All 100%, all 50 Republicans in the Senate identify as Christian. So once again, you know, looking at the whole idea about diversity in the um, in in the Senate you can see kind of where this trend is going. One party favors diversity more than the other. Now, if we break this down to just Catholics, 25 of the 86 Christians identify as the Catholic denomination. So twenty, so basically 25% of the Senate is Catholic. Of that amount, 15 is Democrat and 10 are Republicans. So that's a 60-40 split uh, amongst the uh, Catholic demographic. And if you look at just at the party demographic, that's 30% of Senate Democrats are uh, um, Catholic, whereas 20% of Republicans in the Senate identify as Catholic. So you can see the Catholic split is pretty close. I'd say if it's 10, 10 or less percentage points, then for all intents and purposes, that's, you know, down the middle from my perspective. So, and that's kind of how it breaks down. And then uh, this last category I had to really work on um, figuring out what the number was. And this one is, you know... Because earlier in the podcast I had mentioned that, you know, you hear from the conservative narrative that, uh, you know, they're being pushed out of social media or they're not having their voice heard and all this other stuff. And that there's this this overall persecution complex that has developed amongst uh, conservatives in this country. 
Um, I felt that it, it's necessary to kind of break down the demographics based off of the group that does it the most. And that's white male Christians. So let's look at what percentage of the Senate is made up of white male Christians. 43 of them. That's 43%. Now, of the uh, um, 43, 13 are Democrats and 30 are Republicans. So basically, that's a 30-70 split. Uh, If you look at just the party, 26% of Democrats in the Senate would be considered white male Christians, whereas 60% of Republicans in the Senate would be considered white male Christians. Um, another note in here is that uh, the two independents I included into the party that they uh, caucus with. So Bernie Sanders would, would be considered a uh, Democrat in here, and then Angus King would be considered a Republican, since that's those are the two parties they caucus with and are basically, for all intents and purposes, aligned with. Like I said, it works out really good that there's 50 and 50. Um, so... That's kind of the breakdown of it. So if you remember from the beginning of the podcast, I've gone through the national demographics and you can see how they line up with what we're seeing in the Senate right now. Um, I think uh, if you look here, Christian, the Christian demographic is over overly represented in the Senate. Uh, women greatly underrepresented. Um, Hispanics are, are uh, underrepresented. Black people are underrepresented. I think Asian is, um, yes, underrepresented. Uh, Jewish is higher because I, if I recall, the Jewish population in the United States is 1%, and there's 9 or 9% in the Senate. Uh, so you can kind of see how it all breaks down. It's overall pretty, you know, roughly spot on from what you expect to see. I, th- I think the, uh, the the house will be quite a bit more revealing in terms of how Congress represents the demographics in the United States. So I'm hoping that uh, when I go through the house numbers that you'll, we'll see a little bit more um, I guess reflection of what we actually see in the demographics of the United States. Uh, having a hundred uh, members in the Senate, yeah, that is kind of nice because it's a nice round number, and and hundred is synonymous, obviously, with percent or per per one hundred. Um, so that's that's really nice, but I think it still is it it construes the the data quite a bit. For the simple fact that even though each state gets two senators, each state does not have an equal amount of people living in it. So I think that these numbers here that you see, that I give you, uh, they're not going to be as accurate as, say, the House of Representatives, where you get one representative for each X amount of people. Now, there are certain restrictions that do favor less populated states. Like there's a cap right now on the total number of uh, 
representatives that are in the House, which favors small states because they can always add more, but it's always capped at the top, you know, which means states with larger populations will never have more and more representatives added in as they grow in population. So California is capped. They can't get any more people. And in fact, if there's more, you know, so if, if for example, Wyoming gets an gets a boost in, in its population and gets another representative, that will be taken away from, let's say, you know, California since they're the most populous state. So you can kind of see how even right now with the House supposedly, you know, being a, more, a much more accurate representation of the United States, you can still see that there are some uh, measures in place that prevent that from actually happening. Um, and so I think there will be a little bit more uh, correspondence between the demographics of the House as it compares to the demographics of the United States. The Senate, I think it's, you know, as I mentioned in, in previous podcasts, it's, I think the Senate should just get, we should just get rid of it. It's not needed. Um, and quite honestly, it's it's rooted in a bigoted past and, and it's kind of a, a the offspring of that bigoted past so that that bigotry can remain in place and so that this country can still be dictated by the oligarchs as opposed to we the people. And so that's why I think the Senate needs to get out of there. But it also, as you can see by the numbers, you know, it do, in some regards, it, it overly um, represents certain demographics and underrepresents other demographics. And so um, I think it's really important to look more at the House to kind of get this idea and then kind of go from there. But back to the narrative that I had mentioned before about how conservatives uh, talking point, and this has been this is not a recent development. I mean, this was going on, you know, during the Obama era as well, where conservatives had this persecution complex where they didn't have a voice or whatever crap that they were saying about it. They do have a voice. Even if you look at the numbers here, you know, you got one party that is devoted to the white male Christian, and that's the Republican Party. So what conservatives are really complaining about is that they no longer have both parties that are working primarily or solely for their interest. That's where the the outrage is at right now. Because conservatives can't sit there and say that the media or the political system or what have you is not working for them and that there's this persecution, if you will, or there's this harassment of of white males because that's not true. You got one party that's wholly devoted to representing the white male Christian demographic, as you see in the, the stats that I just put out. So you can't sit there and say that you're not being represented when you've got at least half of the, uh, half the team in your ballpark, if you will. You know, you got you got you got half of it right there, just in the Senate, at the very least, and then you got the other half 
you know, you got another uh, quarter I'm going to guesstimate here and say, okay, well, you know, you got half of one party and whole of the other. You're still doing a pretty good job. But a lot of the outrage, I think, is coming because it's no longer both parties that are primarily or solely invested in in the white male majority population. That's that's the biggest gripe right now. And that's the biggest uh, um, aggrievement entitlement that conservatives are, are feeling is this idea that, hey, because we no longer have two parties, how dare we not have two of the two parties working for us and primarily for us or solely for us? It's If it's not two out of two, then we're being aggrieved in some way and, and you know, we're going to throw a fit and a tantrum until we get away. And that's, you know, I think part of what we saw on January 6th is this idea that, you know, look at my agreement, you know, even though I don't have it, I'm going to complain and carry forth as if I do have it. And I think that's something that needs to be addressed in our culture, in our society and say, Hey, you know, it's not, you're not being aggrieved. You're not being discriminated against or persecuted and I can't remember what it was I was watching I can't remember the exact quote but to summarize it it basically said if your group or demographic is so used to getting special treatment in this country then any kind of egalitarian measure will be seen as persecution and that's basically sums up the white male Christian conservative, especially as we see it here in 2021, but it's been the case for a couple decades now at least. It's this idea that because the white Christian male conservative has been basically at the top, the pinnacle of the primary focus of our political system, our economic system, our society our American society as a whole for so long that this special treatment is considered the the, the norm for a lot of that demographic. And then any kind of egalitarian measure when it comes to women, people of color, other religions, having an equal footing, an equal place at the table, then that means that the the new narrative on the conservative side is like, oh, well, now it's persecution. And that's what that that quote means is, you know, having special treatment for so long will render the ideology that any kind of egalitarian measures will be seen as persecution. So that's kind of what we need to keep in mind here when we're uh, thinking about this. You know, it's, especially when, you know, I hear, you know, conservatives say, well, we've got to take back this country or the, the Muslims are taking over. And they're they're gonna you know impose Sharia law on all of us and all this other stuff you know basically fear mongering and hate mongering you know against other groups of people. But as you recall from this podcast, when it came to the uh, religious section or the, the the religious demographics of this of the U.S. Senate, there's zero Muslims in the Senate. Zero. One Buddhist. No Hindus, no Sikhs. We got one agnostic or atheist. 
I'm assuming an agnostic. Um, three unknowns who chose not to answer. You know, otherwise it's all 80, 86 out of 100, like I said, are Christian. And 25 of those 86 are Catholics. So, you know, that whole narrative that, you know, the quote-unquote, the, the quote-unquote others are coming to get us and coming to impose their will on the quote-unquote silent majority, that's... That's fear baiting, that's race baiting, that's, you know, hate baiting, that's baiting some sort of animosity towards another demographic of people, because that's not what we're seeing. We're not seeing any kind of quote-unquote invasion by the others that are trying to, you know, oppress, you know, the the silent majority, that, that's, that's bullshit. You know, and if anything, it's the opposite. It's it's the the quote unquote silent majority that's doing the most oppressing and the most discrimination against everybody else. We see that with laws, and we see that with the Republican Party platform, just in general. We see how Republicans push their sense of biblical laws, their Christian values, and try to pose them as laws on top of everybody else. But I'm not seeing, you know, I'm not seeing Sharia law being pushed. I'm not seeing any other kind of religious doctrine being pushed as law onto other people, especially the non-believers of that religion. No, it's it's the Christians that are doing it. So I think that when you hear people talk about taking this country back or, you know, the silent majority and all these other things, just keep in mind that when it comes to the Senate... That's not what's happening. You know, we're not being overrun by the quote-unquote others. It's just hate-mongering. It's fear-mongering. It's just bullshit that's coming from the right to whip up a fury that will get fascist demagogues like Trump elected or re-elected. That's what it is. And so I think that's what we need to keep in mind and what we need to realize, especially with this new Congress that uh, got sworn in here back in in January last month is that yes there is diversity in the Senate in some ways and in other ways not Um, it should be welcomed it shouldn't be feared and at the same time as I mentioned before even though there is diversity there is not as much diversity as what we should see or what we should like We've got a ways to go, but we have come a long ways. So that's kind of where I'm going to leave this episode at, is that diversity is a good thing. We see common traits and common ideology and common desires that from everybody. And we need to be focusing on our, our collective similarities as opposed to fear-mongering any differences that we might perceive. And I think the the, the Senate breakdown is kind of a, a nice little introduction to the idea that it's not all doom and gloom like what conservatives will have you believe. There isn't this witch hunt to hunt down conservatives and their ideology and, and ban it from being uttered or being represented or anything like that. That's not the case. Um... It's just fear baiting. 
And I think the setup breakdown that I've just outlined here is a good start to get that that thought going, to get that that I that idea discussed. So hopefully here in the next couple weeks I can get out the House of Representatives information and break their demographics down and see how it compares to the national um, demographics. And hopefully in the meantime too, you know, uh, the 2020 census will fully come out and we can definitely see a very accurate number and breakdown of them start appearing online to get an even better picture as to what's going on. So... Um, that's the episode for this afternoon. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of My Thoughts on Issues. I'm Jason, once again, checking out, and have a good rest of your weekend.